Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that doesn't need a runestone to tell us about the past. Got a robot that swears he was there. This is Hysteria 51. Though that is true, I can't help but think that was meant as a dig. Therefore, go fuck yourself with a cactus. Respectfully. Why did you say respectfully at the end? If you say respectfully at the end, then they can't get mad at you. You would know that if you weren't such an idiot. Respectfully. My cheese muffins don't think that's how that cheese muffins. Yeah, he's right. It's it's not. Well, you can respectfully suck Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, also known as Chicago. I'm your host and lead rune investigator this week. My name is Brent Hand. Alongside, as always, our conspiracy by Kyle. Seabow was made to help with the show, and well, you can see how that turned out. Kyle is his creation, who somehow has more common sense than his creator. I know how that feels. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, returning triumphantly, I might say, to pull co-host duties is none other than Mr. Daryl Montgomery. Daryl, what's up, guys? I'm glad to be back to the to the nation, Lower Fourth Ward. You're not just here as a guest; you're you're helping me co-host this week. You're moving on up. Yeah, fish don't fry and beans and all that stuff. Big shoes to fill with John. <laughs> he only wears a size seven women's. I don't know if you know oh. that or not. He's like oh, six I got foot one. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's just an observation. I also just made it up, so you can take that as you will. <laughs> so what's going on, man? How's life treating you? Oh, everything's good on my end. You know, starting out the new year, everyone in the family's healthy. That's all we can ask for. How about yourself? I have been battling a, a, a cold for like 10 days now. It's not COVID. Got tested. Yep. But yeah, man. So good for you guys. I've I've been getting my butt kicked. Yeah, we, we're trying to stay away from people. You know, my uh, family members caught COVID uh, right before Christmas on Christmas Eve. And so we uh, did not see anybody. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, sometimes uh, I'm envious of that. It, uh, you, you Sometimes during the year, you end up seeing everyone. and, and uh, It was uh, actually pretty nice to be a little kind of low key and chill. You know, I had a, a lot of extra food that left over because nobody showed we up. We did that too. Ours, ours was uh, a, a very low key and we still cooked like we were going to feed an army and uh, yep. ate as much as I could until I didn't want to look at it anymore. <laughs> same here. Same here. Some of the desserts got ate though. I don't know how that happens, but they all, they all Magically made it disappears. I also noticed now um, when you uh, first came on, your beard is looking as majestic as always. If anyone doesn't know, he has a very majestic beard. I don't know if that's the word I should use, but that's the one that I'm going with. Hey, I, I like it. I appreciate it. I actually uh, trimmed off probably about three inches. Wow. <laughs> Not too long ago. 
Well, there you go. It's, um, yeah. it's new year, new you. <laughs> right. I uh, cut all my hair off right before the pandemic happened. It was down to my elbow and now it's back Holy down to my shoulder. Holy heck. Yeah. Wow. So, getting back to normal. That is some hair, man. How long did it take you to grow that long? Like About two years. That's pretty fast though, really. I mean, that's, you got some growth. Yeah, it runs in my family. My brother's the same way, long hair, big beard. Um, my mom actually paid for a uh, Ancestry DNA kit one time for mm-hmm. us. Come to find out we have, what was it, 34% Scandinavian in our... No, so it's just beards and and yep. drinking out of horns at all events and everything with your family. Yep. <laughs> Scottish and Vikings. <laughs> That's what it was. I tell you what, then you picked the right thing because we're talking runestones this week and, and yep. Scandinavian stuff. This was your pick. What what was the what was the draw? Was there anything specific? Or are you just like, ah, I've heard of this. Uh, let's let's dive into it and figure it out. Uh, basically, I, I've heard of it. Uh, I think first time I heard about it was, I don't know, maybe about eight years ago, 2014 or something, 2012. I can't remember. But off, uh, I believe it was uh, the History Channel show, uh, America Unearthed with that Scott Walter guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one. And you're going to find out, listeners, as we go through this. It's one that the guy's like, it's real. And everyone's like, it is not. Then they're like, maybe. Then it is not. Then maybe it was just an interesting how everyone or how these things kind of go through these ebbs and flow of people don't think about them and then something happens and they start talking about them again and new scholars look at them. We're going to break this down, but we'll, we'll, we'll get you started. Picture, if you will, the year of our Lord, 1898. Hell of a time to be a Minnesotan, uh, but that's where we're going. Uh, you're a farmer. You're, you're just trying to make your way. Your name is Olaf Omen. So Scandinavian, to say the least. Uh, just a Swedish, uh, well, uh, Scandinavian uh, heritage It was strong in this area, and we're going to find that out. But Swedish immigrant just trying to make uh, take out some trees so you can get some land to plow is what he said. And... Um, Hard road to hoe, so to speak, because this was when, like, yeah, you know, just I, when you needed a, a a field, then you went out and made it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not like every year now where they just replant and plant. You ever been anything to do with farming or anything like that? Uh, when I was little, or my uh, grandparents had a farm in West Virginia. I grew up in Central Illinois. It's all farming. You know what I mean? And my wife is from Milwaukee, so we drive through there all the time yeah well minnesota's a place that they decided to make home and there was because there was a ton of swedish uh and people from sweden people from norway in the area and the latter still being a part of sweden at the time so norway was a part of sweden i didn't realize this until 1905 yeah do you know that i did not until i started doing research on this yeah and I, i guess there was a lot of like bad blood for a while i just I had, I guess I was asleep during the, <laughs> that part of history when they talked about that, because I had no idea. Yeah. I, I, like, I am a history buff. I'm actually in college right now to get my anthropology degree. I would like to be an archeologist. And so this was all new to me too, learning about this. Dude, you are a, a lasso and a hat away. You know, you got the beard already. I'm ready. You know, you need that Giorgio Sucolo starter kit. He's got the Indiana Jones wannabe look going on. I know, right? I just got to get the <laughs> necklace, get my hair all throwed out. We're good to go. <laughs> Picture, if you will. Could it be? <laughs> Could it be? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there you are. 
late 1800s, almost 1900. You're, you're, you're an immigrant. You're here. You're trying to make your way. You're plowing, you know, so trying to make some fields. So a plow and you go until you spot something sticking out of the ground from a small knoll near some wetlands. Grassy knolls. Gotta love them. That is true. They have been pretty good to this <laughs> this year's start. We've had a lot of things that took place on Knowles or assassins or would-be assassins taking pop shots from Knowles. Uh, so, yeah, we can't. You know, speaking of Knowles, have you been to Dallas to see where the assassination of JFK I, took, I actually took have. Place? We were out there probably about five years ago. You know, they've got the X on the road. Yep. And then they have the grassy knoll. Was the grassy knoll what you expected or way smaller? It was way, way smaller. <laughs> it's just a little bitty piece of grass. Like I was expecting like a field. My thought was like, how can somebody really hide up in that thing and <laughs> get away with yeah, it? Yeah, it, it was weird. It was just, I, I and I guess that goes with a lot of things, you know, your, your expectation mm-hmm. and then reality are different, but I was not prepared for it to be so small. Right. And I was blown away with all the panhandlers, not panhandlers, but people walking around trying to sell you stuff around in hey, that area. Here, give me a dollar. I'll tell you what really right. happened. I have the book. Yeah. I wrote this book, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, grassy knolls, but surprise. Well, sticking out of this is something. The second book of Mormon. Not quite. Hey. <laughs> you kind of, sometimes you got to go digging in the ground and find things. But it was a rune stone. Now, rune stones or stones, stuff like that. That's not exactly unheard of. Uh, more specifically, though, on this one, uh, it was a slab of Greywick stone with inscriptions that were, now here's the air quotes, said, said to be a record left behind by Scandinavian explorers in the 14th century. That is a heck of a find or a hoax. That's what we're talking about this week, because a lot of people are like, ah, 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 not so fast. Uh, it's, it's a weird, uh, just a way for this guy to try to drum up some attention. That's the short and the sweet of it. There wasn't a huge, uh, it was, Hey, I found something. And then all of the stuff that happened kind of happened afterwards with the push back and forth of what, uh, uh, it wasn't like this guy was abducted and then they gave him a rune stone. No, nah, he said he was out plowing and he saw it sticking <laughs> out of the ground. <laughs> Been a lot cooler. Yeah. So, Daryl, that's what we're we're exploring this week on Asteria 51. Now, we're going to go to break real quick. But when we come back, we're talking more Rocky shenanigans and why some scholars say it's forgery and some scholars say not so fast. We're going to break that down uh, as best that we can. Here on Hysteria 51. We got all the answers. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know that they're true. Remember, it says <laughs> the truth is out there, but you won't find it here. That's right. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor, and we use it, Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. I definitely use it. I I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. (laughs) It's like, what are you trying to do? Do it right. (laughs) Uh, But it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. 
you know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else, somewhere, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you and <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer. So it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. A today. So I got to tell you, I'm we're moving to a new studio. I, I've just got my keys signed to lease on a new studio, and it's not ready yet. Uh, as of recording date, internet is getting installed tomorrow. So it's just a big empty room. And I'm in my attic, and I guess it's not as sealed up or I had the air off because I am freezing my ass off right now. <laughs> I wish I could say I was freezing down here, but we we're like in the 50s, I believe, today in now, Georgia. Where you, yeah, so where are you at in Georgia? Uh, Marietta, right outside of Atlanta. That's pretty nice. That's that's yeah. so, and that's awesome weather. We are uh, twenty, I think it said, and it was snowing earlier. It's not it's not snowing anymore, but we've got a couple inches that have just been here for a while. It's all that packed down, dirty, nasty snow now. Yep, yep. I uh, I'm jealous of the snow though. We almost jumped in the car over uh, Thursday and drove to Colorado. Mm. Decided against it. That's a drive. <laughs> Two two days with a five-year-old and a six-year-old and a dog. <laughs> oh, man. So you are a – which one is the sadist and which is the masochist? Because <laughs> that is the <laughs> you, – if you told me a five-year-old, a six-year-old, or a dog, any of them, I'd be like, yikes. Yeah. Well, the dog is also five, too. So they're all <laughs> the same age. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're best friends and mortal enemies. <laughs> yeah. A 70-pound Dutch shepherd. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. I'm a dog, man. We've got a – um. We've got uh, mixed mutts, but I've got a pit boxer, which sounds funny. It sounds like I made out. He's a pit boxer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sounds like you <he> trained. <laughs> and then we have an English bulldog staffy mix, which is a pit too. Like, and nice. he's, he's a, a, a weird looking one, but yeah, I've seen them on Facebook on the, all the, the time. I'm good looking yeah. dogs. Uh, not as cool as Viking runestones though. Nope. Minnesota is a place you ought to be if you expect to find those, or at least, so says our hero Olaf in in this story. Um, uh, as far as runestones go, too, this one is not that small. How big was it? Thirty by sixteen by six inches in size and weighed two hundred and two pounds, ninety two kilograms. If you're in Europe, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a big old slab, man. That would take some digging out and, and maneuvering at a time when you don't really have a backhoe to come come pick it right. up. Go get the ox. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So 92 kilograms, 202 pounds. That's that's heavier than half the people listen to this, probably. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, getting close to it. So Olaf said again that he discovered this back in 1898, almost in 1998, uh, in this mostly rural township of Solemn. Uh, that's in Douglas County, Minnesota, and it's named after the nearest settlement, Kensington. So he's like, ah, it's the Kensington Stone. That's what they named it after. Boom, we got a name. And uh, he said that he thought he had found at the time an Indian almanac. 
If you place a picture side by side of the Kensington runestone and the Aztec calendar, there's an eerie similarity between the two. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Yes, Giorgio. It's uh, it is uncanny. Not quite, but I applaud the effort. What the hell is an Indian almanac? Did you? I mean, what is that? What do you? What comes to mind when you hear that? Uh, the first thing I think of is like they're like trying to dictate the season, not dictate, but like map out when things are going to happen. We're going to grow our corn or maize. Maybe something like you hold this to the sky at the equinox and it tells you, you know, or whatever. Right. <laughs> with the winter solstice. For as I, for backwoods or country is or whatever you want to call it, as un uh, technical as we see a lot of these people, man, they had a pretty good grasp on season changes and calendars mm-hmm. and things when I can't remember the day of the weekend it's on my phone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's on my arm. I'll open my phone to see what time it is and then forget to look and see what time it was and put, put it down. And then I got, I got to go pick it up. I didn't look. Dude, that happens to me like three or four times a day. <laughs> no lie. <laughs> uh, you I know, get so distracted. I was seeing something the other day. So people like, you know, no one ever dreams with phones on. I dream about my phone all the time. The other night I dreamt that I couldn't turn the, so I use the the flashlight on my phone all the time. And I dreamt that I couldn't turn it off and we were in a theater and it was like coming through my, my pants and too bright. <laughs> and they're like going to kick me out. And like, I haven't, we never go to the theater. That's just a dumb thing. You turn it over wouldn't happen. The brain is weird. And then you yeah. go to like a sci- you know, like a psychologist and they're like, oh, that's because you have unfiltered issues with your uncle. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> I get that from my wife. She's a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So you're like, uh, do you know why you didn't take out the trash? Cause I'm lazy. Nope. That's not it. <laughs> your dad spanked you when you were too hard. Yeah. When you were eight. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. This rune stone. The reason we're talking is, uh, it's got an inscription on it. Tell us a little bit about the inscription, if you will. Yeah, so it uh, consists of nine lines on the face of the stone and three lines on the edge. And then it tr- I'm going to try my best to uh, do this. There's a couple words on here. <laughs> Eight gates, and which is what I would assume is Scandinavian Sweden, people. Right? That's what Scandinavian people. That's what that means. Yep. And 22 Norwegians on an exploration journey from Vinland, which means North America, to the west. We had a camp by two skiris, one day's journey north from this stone. We were out to fish one day after we came home. We found 10 men, red of blood and dead. Ava Virgro Maria, save us from evil. We have 10 men by the sea to look after our ships. 14 days travel from this island in the year 1362. That is just like a captain's log. I'm just going to chisel it into this rock. I wouldn't, and, and that shit happened. Is that so like if they stumbled back onto it, like it's yeah, such I, a weird thing, you know, whether this is real or not, that exact type thing was done. Right. And it always interests, it intrigues me. And I guess chiseling when you're, that's what you're used to. It's not as tedious, but to me, that sounds fucking terrible. Right. I was talking to my wife about this last night. I was like, to me, what is the biggest, for me personally, the biggest red flag here is like, 
these guys come back from fishing who are, I would, I would say warriors, right? Vikings. They can yeah. kick ass. <laughs> uh, they come back and find 10 people dead and they're like, well, I got to take time to carve this stone out. If, you know, my thought would be like, well, we got to get the hell out of yeah. here. That's it. We're out of here. One second. Right? Ting, 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 <laughs> right. ting. Almost. Ting, 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 ting. Hold on, George. <laughs> <laughs> Important to the story uh, is also what's happening when uh, uh, Olaf Omen said he discovered the stone. So th- this is important too. remember it was back in 1898 around America at that time, the journey of Leif Erikson to Vinland, North America was being widely discussed as there was renewed interest in the Vikings throughout Scandinavia, meaning pre Columbus, fuck Columbus, you know, uh, Erikson <laughs> was here first type of stuff. You know what I yep. mean? And now as time, you know, this is stirred by the national uh, romanticism movement. Now we, we traveled to the lower fourth dimension too, here in Chicago for a little bit more backstory. Five years earlier, Norway had participated in the world's Columbian exposition or the world's fair of Chicago. Now that's an important world's fair. We've talked about it on here before. Uh, it was also important in like the HH home story mm-hmm. and all the stories that were, about his murder house and stuff, which you find out a lot of that was like made up by pulp magazines and people at the time. And it wasn't as right. true as what is believed of H.H. H. Holmes and what is true are, are vastly separate. But uh, that wasn't a really important world's fair. Anyway, Norway participated in the fair by sending the Viking, which was a replica of the Gokstad ship to Chicago, the ship that they, they, they would have sailed here in. And people love this and love the idea Vikings in America way back then. And there's stories of Vikings, even in native American stories. And they've talked about these blonde haired, blue eyed native Americans who had entered breed. You've heard of that stuff, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, it, it, it used to be something that they kind of was just like, well, I don't know. And now it seems to be, there's more and more people that are taking it up and they're finding, uh, that they were definitely here. Not sure when, but there was a presence. Yeah, I, I've definitely heard that before too, and I think it's a cool idea, and I think it's very possible. Right, know, but you know, you got to have physical evidence. Right. Also, note at the time there was friction between Sweden and Norway, uh, which ultimately that led to Norway's independence from Sweden in 1905. Now we brought that up earlier, but anyway, when the stone came out to the public, some Norwegians claimed that the stone was a Swedish hoax. Uh, and there were also similar Swedish accusations the same way, you know, there, it was a, um, a Norwegian hoax because the stone references a joint expedition of the, those Swedes and the, 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 the two nations, two peoples yep. together at the time when they were ruled by the same King. And that was the union of Kalmar. Now, was this all a scam or more coincidental that the stone was found among Scandinavian newcomers in Minnesota, still struggling for acceptance and quite proud of their Nordic heritage. It's kind of a, kind of a coincidence that you would have, if this really was just stumbled upon, stumbled upon by people of that heritage at a time when it's so important. Doesn't that, does that ding some bells to you or what do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like nationalism. It's kind of like a big thing. And so you're like, feeling your pride about your people, you know, and you're like, got, like you said, the world fair was there. You got the Viking ship and everyone's kind of excited about it. And so you're like, I want, I kind of want to jump on that meal ticket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. I, I really feel it. So Internet of the scholars help solve the mystery because you can sit there and say, I found it. I found it, but people are going to have to break it down. 
time to do some studying. And real quick, I just want to say, uh, looking at that Kelmer Union, I was reading about that. And from what I read, that actually took place in 1397 to 1533, I believe. So that would have been previous to the, uh, to this, which uh, which was 1362. Is that right? Right. 1362. And so I had read that people were claiming that it couldn't be real because of that union, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, that union is about 30 years off. (laughs) Yeah. Right. 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 Just a little side note. No, absolutely. Well, there's a copy of the inscription was made and it, it was sent to the university of Minnesota and it got to be in front of a guy named Olas J Breda or Breda. I'm going to slaughter these names. And I even looked up a lot of these online to pronounce pronounce them. Mm-hmm. And people argue because the way they pronounce them versus the old English pronunciation is different. And then they argued. So I'm just going to give them my shot. Some of them I started writing down and I was like, oh, my God, they're arguing on the pronunciation website. So, yay. <laughs> anyway, uh, this guy, um, I some of the names are, are I couldn't find the pronunciations for. So anyway, professor of Scandinavian languages and literature in the Scandinavian apartment, this Olaus uh, J. Brita at the university of Minnesota, right off the bat, like one of the first people gets in front of him and he declares a stone to be a forgery. And he published a discrediting article. That's a little bit of a right off the bat. Ugh, okay. And Brita also forwarded copies of the inscription to fellow linguists and historians in Scandinavia so they could uh, make their own conclusion. So outside of him studying it here, they sent it there. And this is important. Here's a quote. They unanimously pronounced the Kensington inscription a fraud and a forgery of recent date. Well, shit. Meaning not only was it... uh, was it a forgery? It's a newer forgery. Now, there's a few reasons they felt that. We'll get into that here in a couple minutes. But um, that was just what they said. The stone then was sent next door to us here in the the lower fourth. Uh, they went to Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. And uh, spoiler, scholars uh, either dismissed it as a prank or felt, and here's what they said, unable to identify a sustainable historical context which sounds like a cop out. I don't what does that mean to you? Unable to identify a sustainable historical context like as in why they would have been here or why they would have done that? That's the way I take it, you know. Well, I can't understand why they would have been there so I'm not even going to judge this. That <laughs> yeah. seems like a uh Lazy. not my job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not my job. I'm not going to do it. So that was your initial round of sending it out and boom, they all kind of crapped on us. The stone was returned to Omen uh, with no one of academia willing to give it any credence. That was like the, the first undertaking that it went. Now, is that the end? Well, not so fast. We've, we've got some people. He definitely found people willing to say that it was real. We're going to talk about that and the people that poo pooed on that. <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of people shitting on one another. After the break, we're gonna be right back with more hysteria. Fifty one. All right, time to flip the script. Let's do it now. There's a cat whose name I think's. Hjalmar Holland or Halmar Holland. It's H J A L M A R. So that's a choose your adventure. He was a Norwegian American historian. What did he say about it? So he claimed that Olaf gave him the stone and Holland re- renewed public interest with an article claiming studies that were made by geologist Newton horse. 
Wichel, I guess I got that right, from <laughs> Minnesota Historical Society, and linguist George T. Flom. Yeah, he was from the Philological Society at uh, the University of Illinois. Who both published opinions in 1910 and gave it credence. Yeah, they kind of said right now, when you, one thing you said there, this Holland or Holland said that Omar gave him the stone. There's also conjecture of that because someone else had a bill of sale that they had sold it. And he's like, no, 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 he gave it to me. So even the fact that he, he was coming out and saying things about this is a little bit of a, there's a side story in there that I didn't go too far into, but whether he even had the right to have it uh, was something, but kicking onto this, uh, Winchell, this Newton Horace Winchell, this Minnesota, Minnesota historical society, he estimated that the inscription was roughly 500 years old by comparing it to weathering uh, with the weathering on the backside, which he assumed was glacial. So it had to be about 8,000 years old. So he's saying here, these chips, these, these, the, the chipping that they've done when they, they, they cut into it has been weathered by at least 500 years. That puts it right in line with that 1362. Mm-hmm. He also stated that the chisel marks looked fresh or were fresh, but they were dated. Um, others said so fresh that more recently geologists, uh, Harold Edwards has also noted that here's a quote. The inscription is about as sharp as the day it was carved. The letters are smooth showing virtually no weathering. So where he got that fucking 500 years, right. Uh, is, is what he even said in his thing. Oh, and it's really sharp. Yeah. It's really sharp. Others are saying because it's not 500 years old. <laughs> Maybe Olaf swipped him a little cow's milk. Right. Doesn't it feel like that? Like, hey, man, you scratched my back. I'll, you know, help right. me out here. Maybe. I don't know. We're also talking about this is like 1910. So this isn't too long into the, the whole thought process of the whole thing. Winchell also mentions in the same report that Professor W.O. Hotchkiss, uh, the state geologist of Wisconsin, he estimated that the runes were at least 50 to 100 years old, meaning he couldn't say that they're 500 years old, but there's no way that Olaf could have made them because they were at least that old. He didn't just carve it up and then hand it over. Right, right. Meanwhile, Flom, that cat, found a strong apparent divergence between the runes used in the Kensington description and those uh, they used during the 14th century, meaning the type of writing didn't match what they would have used at that time. Similarly, the language of the inscription was modern compared to the Nordic languages of the 14th century. Go read Shakespeare. That's English. That ain't how we talk. (laughs) That kind of thing. Um, And also now people said, well, different dialects and different regions and things like that. But you're also talking about these are linguists. They understand that. And hopefully they've taken uh, that into, into consideration. What I'm getting at is this is all over the fucking place. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's people, people saying everything. What happened next though? For the next 40 years, Holland sh- struggled to sway public and scholar opinion about the runestone, writing articles and several books. Yeah. If you can't you get anyone to, uh, do it, you just start writing about it yourself and try to figure right? it out. I mean, that's modern day science nowadays, yeah. man. You just put it out on the internet and anybody will <laughs> peer review my asshole. <laughs> right? I got reviewed by Bob down the street. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> So he achieved brief success in 1949 when the stone was put on display at the Smithsonian Institution and scholars such as William Thalbitzer, I don't know if I said that right, and S.N. Hagen published papers supporting its authenticity. 
Yeah, that's a more important uh, when the Smithsonian is saying we want it, we'll put it here, and uh, that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got at the same time Scandinavian linguists, the people that are really studying specifically that, uh, Sven Jansen, Eric Moltke, I'm not going to say any of these right, Harry Anderson and K.M. Nielsen, along with a popular book by Eric Walgren. Again, all these these linguists in this book uh, questioned the runestone's authenticity and said the the language is wrong. Forget about the 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 carvings and when they were right. done. The language is wrong. It is not proper. Uh, that's not how it would have been. So that's that is what that is. That's a smoking gun to me. <laughs> it is now that book that we we talked about that book by Eric Walgren, along with Walgren historian Theodore uh, Blegen or Blagen Blagen. Uh, he flatly declared Omen had carved the the artifact as a prank. And he said, possibly with help from others in the Kensington area. And that is, um, (laughs) there were a lot of the people in that area were of the same descent. And they thought that maybe they were doing that to drum up some sympathy, some attention. I don't know. Like, why would you do that if you were just that farmer out there? What's your motive? Oh, man. I (laughs) Motive? Exactly. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Uh, but I, I mean, I do remember reading about this where he, uh, said that he had a beef with academics and stuff and that he wanted to like make them look like a fool. Possibly we'll get the, yeah, the little peek behind the curtain there. Yeah. Yeah. Further resolution seemed to come from, uh, in 1976, uh, they published a transcript of an interview with this guy, Frank Walter Gran. Uh, he conducted, uh, this was conducted by Paul Carson Jr. on August 13th of 67, if you want to look it up. And it's been recorded on audio tape, so you can find this and listen to it if you want. Anyway, Grant said his father, John, confessed in 1927 that Omen made the inscription. Flat out said he did it. Uh, He's a liar. But yeah, now, remember, John Grant's story was based on secondhand anecdotes. Uh, he had heard about Omen, so that's not, he didn't see it happen. He said, my dad told me. And um, the other weird thing that gives this another, just like everything else is it was presented as like, it was a dying declaration and this was his last thing. And then grand lived for several more years and said nothing else ever about the stone. (laughs) So, but if you look it up and you read, it's like, this was his dying decree that daddy told me it was fake, but that's not really how it was. That's not how it came out. Then the possibility of the runestone being authentic again was raised in 1982. Like we said, it just keeps someone, someone looks into it and goes, I want to make a name for myself. I want to figure this out. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, this cat named Robert Hall, he was an emeritus professor of Italian language and literature at Cornell university. He published a book in a follow-up in 94 questioning the mythology methodology of its critics. So that's interesting. He was like, well, if you don't believe it, uh, I don't, I don't think you use the scientific method kind of thing. <laughs> he asserted that the odd, uh, filiological problems in the rune zone could be a result of normal dialectal variances. <laughs> That's kind of what we talked about in old mm-hmm. Swedish of the period. So not everyone spoke the same as, and then you get all these guys together and they get their own little ways of speaking kind of thing, you know, uh, he further considered that critics had failed to consider the physical evidence, which he found leaning heavily in favor of authenticity, meaning there's a fucking rune here. (laughs) It's, it's gigantic rune and we have it. Um, but again, 
in the book The Vikings in America, uh, that's that book from Rogan. Uh, he said that the the text bore linguistic abnormalities and spellings that he thought suggested forgery. We could go about this all day long. Those are the big ones that when you look up, these are the ones that are cited and everything, especially in that book, The Vikings in America, which is actually, a it, it goes in and explores a lot of these what ifs in a really good way of could they have been there. As far as Norse, this is something that we talked about. Norse colonies are known to have existed in Greenland from the late 10th century to at least the 14th century. Um, and at least one short-lived settlement was established in Newfoundland in the 11th century, meaning, you know, right above us, they were there. They know yeah. that. Um, that's the Americas. You know, they, they're here now. It's not America, um, right. as in the United States thereof. But no other widely accepted material evidence of North contact with the Americans in the pre-Columbian era has emerged yet. And I said widely accepted because I think that's in ebb and flow right now. There's a lot of people that are still now that kind of comes and goes with everything else. This interest in if the Vikings were here or not, why is that such a tasty topic? Do you think? Well, I think now more so than ever is just with like the shows like Vikings and Mm -hmm. stuff. But then you got like people with like Scott Walter, you know, with his shows, like, the Holy Grail in America or whatever, <laughs> those kind of things. I Bring it to America of- one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually might, you, 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 you touch an interesting point there of the whole, the grail in America and this in America and that in America. <laughs> it's almost like, and you, you brought, you talk about nationalism and nationality yep. and things like that. It's almost like uh, we want to bring, well, we're this melting pot of everything. So by God, it all came here at one point in time or another. Right. Truth yeah. and evidence be damned. Now, that's not exactly the case because I think there is a lot of evidence that these these people from these North Scandinavian, all the, the, these different, these people were here pre-Columbus that we probably just don't exactly know about. And hopefully one day we will. But um, it gets muddy in a lot of it yeah i think it's uh kind of naive to think that you know that couldn't happen you know like even on the west coast you know people from asia could have totally hit the california coast or whatever you know i think it's possible unfortunately time's the grand equalizer and erases a lot of that stuff it, you know it really does it, I mean, very fast we also don't really listen to spoken stories as much as written ones. And that's why the, a lot of the, some of the native yeah. Americans that don't have written language, they were, they were, they spoke their stories and we're, we're quick to dismiss them stuff with the, right, you know, folklore. the star people and things like that. And these stories yeah. and we go, well, that's not true. And like, well, okay, but we've been telling this exact same story for a millennia, but right. thanks white man. You didn't write it down though. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we said before, there's, you know, with them, the, the blonde Indians and the blonde native Americans and proof, pointing to it being 100% is lacking, but uh, maybe one day. This was a mystery for a long time, the back and forth, but hold your proverbial horses. In 2010, a scholar says that he solved it because, and you you started to talk about this, uh, it was more, not only was it fake, it was kind of a riddle. Here's what it said. In 2010, Match G. Larson showed in a paper something less obvious, the hidden signature of the stone's carver, uh, who was also his finder, meaning Olaf Ullman is the one who carved it, wrote it, carved it, and was leaving it there as like a ha-ha, 
and it got out of hand. So what he means by that is um, he, he goes on in a, a full way. He deciphers the rune, but here is a translation of the, his summary. A link to uh, a breakdown is in the show notes if you want to see the whole thing. He says, this was not strictly a case of forgery, but of a practical joke gone wrong through the gullibility of others. Omen himself may have been both surprised and a little disappointed to find that his hints about who made the inscription were never noted. And as time passed, it became successively more difficult for him to confess after his runestone gained acceptance in wider circles through skillful marketing by others, not him. You remember this thing took on a life of its own. It became almost impossible for him to come clean with his honor intact. He couldn't. So what that is saying is he wrote this as a joke. He put it out there. No one caught on. Then all these people that are looking into it, they told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends and this thing went crazy. Just snowballed out of control. Yeah. And then he's like, well, crap. Now, if I say I made it, they're going to either, you know, crucify me, so to speak, or not believe you. That happens too. You see that in cases Mm -hmm. all the time. I made this as a joke. Nope. Mm Mm-mm. I don't believe it. I believe it's real. (laughs) Yeah. According to John Grand's son, this John Grand was Ullman's neighbor. uh, Olaf Ullman once expressed a strong wish to write something that would fool society. This is what you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, The people and particularly academics towards which he was extra hostile. He didn't like them. He was a farmer. He thought he was smarter than them. Kind of in this case, he was. The end result was his prank uh, was not, however, quite... uh, Quite what he had hoped for, I guess you could say. Uh, academics in the runic field were not fooled, but non-academics were. Meaning that people came forward and said this is fake, and the other people that weren't uh, these linguists and rune and you know as experts said, uh-uh, it's real. I'll be damned. <laughs> you know, yep. that is something that happens all the time. I, I said you could read this. That is putting it into a translation app. That's what it comes out to. They break down the entire rune. It's, it's a cipher. If you count up all the letters, it, it, it gives you a cipher. The cipher reads the omens found. We keep collected firewood at this stone. It's what it deciphers to the omens found. We kept collected firewood at this stone, (laughs) meaning this was just uh, where we kept our firewood. And uh, I made this and no one ever figured it out until 2000, 10, uh, 112 years after he said he found it. Now, this cipher does work, whether he just found that and it just worked out or not. That's a hard pill to swallow. That's not what it really was. Yeah. I'm going to ask you again. I did it already. Why make a fraud then? Well, like, do you think it was just like a screw you or what? I think it might have been a little bit of a screw you. Uh, it could have also been like a, uh, Kind of like a money-making thing. You yeah. Know? You might not have a lot of money back then. Uh, it could have brought tourism in to come look at it. Come you know. see the rune stone. Yep. Yeah. My yeah. kids watch a show on Disney Channel called uh, Gravity Falls, and they got a guy on there with his mystery shack. You know, come check out this weird thing that I, he made. <laughs> you know, people right. pay to come see it, but it's supernatural to them. The world's know? largest Teflon skillet. You know, the world's right. largest ball of twine. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the world's largest orgy. That one's never usually uh, advertised, but I mean, right. otherwise. 
Uh, but if you think about it, I mean, it's still paying off. I mean, I see that it's at a museum in Alexandria, Minnesota. I'm sure you got to pay admission to go see it. You know, it's still still generating tourism. <laughs> yeah, it's at the Runestone Museum. It's appropriately named. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just find it fun that you have so many people saying that it's not real, but then you have people who are saying that it is. Even up till here recently, I just read an article on the uh, DetroitLakesOnline.com mm-hmm. about Scott Walker being up there because he had new evidence about the stone. On October 1st, he was doing a seminar uh, giving out new evidence <laughs> about how it's real. So there's going to be a lot of people that no matter what are going to hold on to this for uh, yeah. one reason or another. That is where you get established science and then you have these people that go "Mm -mm, you know flat earthers you know now some of them fall for it because they actually believe it some of them i think are grifters you've Mm -hmm. got to question (laughs) in all of these which side do the people fall on and why are they doing it and that's hard to do sometimes to understand why someone is a science denier in in a lot of ways and that's even a taboo topic to say sometimes science denying it's never wrong to question Right. right. The, the scientific method kind of is fuck around and find out. You got, you know, yeah. you, you, <laughs> you, you, you figure something out by, but you use specific steps to do so. Now, yeah. if you think that you can progress, you, the proverbial you, everyone on anything, far be it from anyone to stop you as long as it's ethical and, and, and safe. And, and, you know, you have the, the right reasons for doing it, I guess I should say. But, if you are going for a specific outcome, you're doing it wrong. If right. you are going, I want it to be this. And so I'm going to shape it till it becomes that that's not science, right? That's just you manipulating data. And that's not how it should be. No matter what you're looking at, keep that in mind. When you hire people, me included, Daryl, everyone that you're listening to everyone, everyone Take it for face value. Now, we're a bunch of schmucks on here just talking about nonsense that we happen to spend way too much time <laughs> reading about. There's the difference. We read about the stuff so you don't have to, and we give you a, a third grade uh, <laughs> breakdown of it. Who would have thought that I would do a book report every fucking week? Well, I must be a masochist myself. I should have been in the car with you guys. <laughs> you would have never believe it. <laughs> uh, it's just funny how that works out, you know, and I don't know. It's... um. We went to Alien Con a couple of years ago, and you got booths set up, and you got these guys that are doing a great job and just talking about evidence. And other guys that just, as soon as you walk up to him, you're like, nope, yep. nope. You, you know, don't don't you get that feeling from some people that way? Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I saw a guy today that I know, and I'm like, I intentionally went the other way because I was like, yeah. nope, not doing that today. <laughs> That's the way. Oh, well, yeah. So that's the story of the runestone. And your takeaway is, well, they say there's these ciphers, but like, like you just said, Daryl, someone else is still saying, uh, 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 not so fast. Right. Yeah. I, me personally, I I think it was a hoax. I do too. I do too. I, I fall on the hoax side. Um, and I really fall on the hoax side of this has gotten way out of hand and now I can't tell the uh the truth because it, yeah. it the truth will be more detrimental than just letting this thing you know play out however it goes and then i'll die and here we are 112 no 100 <laughs> 120 
four years later and uh, still yeah. talking about it. Here we are talking about it still. I think they the hoax did its job. <laughs> right. Yeah, a hell of a good job on that one, right? Way to go, Olaf. <laughs> but, you know, we don't believe in it. What do you guys believe in? Do you guys think that we're crazy on this one? If you want to let us know, hop on Facebook, search Hysteria 51. That's our Facebook discussion page. And we're going to have... I want to hear, have you guys seen it? Are there other rune stones? And what other things are like this? What other things I'd love to have a conversation were made. Do you think this was made to be a joke and it got out of hand? Because that's not, this isn't the first time things like that has happened. And if you want to have us talk about any of those, let us know. Also, if you're on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash hysteria 51 pod. That's our regular Facebook page. You can listen to the show there while you are online, while you're looking around other Facebook pages and stuff. You can now listen to the show from there. Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria 51. I believe you just search hysteria 51. You'll find us. <laughs> you can find up all nights, mad blurry hysterias. I was happy. We just did a, a new up all night on there. And I got to use the one where Rhonda Shear from USA up all night does the intro where she actually goes, hi, this is Rhonda Shear from USA up all night. And you're listening to hysteria 51 up all night. Awesome. I can't do it, but yeah, she was awesome. <laughs> I was on a show with her not too long ago and That's amazing. she, um, she recorded recorded us an intro for it voice mail 773-669-7277 again 773-669-7277 if you forget any of this junk hysteria51.com it's easy gofopedia.com super easy you find us all there daryl where can they find you or where can they not find you if you don't want anyone looking for you what's going on just don't look for me. You won't find me. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't look for me, you won't find me. You know, and what's right. more scary is if you don't look for me, you will find me. I, no, somehow no. that seems like a threat. I don't know how. <laughs> um, no, I'm a private guy, so you, you can find me on social media, but I won't tell you where it's at. Yeah, well, that's that's probably smart. Just look for uh, gloriousbeards.org. I'm sure it's an organization. He's probably on there. Yeah. Just you feels might want right. to be careful of Google and that, <laughs> Right, actually. Uh, if you guys want to learn a little bit more about this and see uh, some of the translations and stuff, there'll be, there are links in the show notes to all of this, and there's some videos that do a pretty good job of breaking it down in different ways. We gave you the short and sweet version because this thing goes off into a lot of tangents, and there are a thousand other people that have talked about this and why it was or was not fake. So that's our silly thoughts on it. Daryl, thank you so much, man. This was a blast. I mean, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. It's always a blast having you on. So that's been our thoughts, kids. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been Daryl. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.